Today and for next Sunday, I have a warning for you, and it's a serious warning. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why, because the big man in the red suit is coming to town, right? Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. That's a little disturbing as far as I'm concerned, you know. But he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. That's what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about. What does that mean anyway? Be good for goodness sake. Be good just for the sake of being good? Uh, I'm not quite sure. That sounds like what mamas say to their kids, you know. Uh, be good or you're going to hold one of these, something of that nature that mamas say. But wow, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Santa's watching you. He, see, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you wake up. Uh, he's going to decide whether you're naughty or nice. So much pressure except that well, we decide what's naughty or nice, don't we? And if you, just, if you will just let me get a little rest, that's good enough. I'll buy you anything you want uh, for Christmas this year. I guess the real pressure of Christmas is buying gifts for those kids who don't really appreciate it anyway. But that's not what I'm going to talk about this morning. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's how most people think about God. You know, you better watch out. You better not pout because God is making this list of all the good things and all the bad things you do. And, and he sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake and he knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake because with God, and I don't believe it this way, by the way, so I want you to, in case you don't know that I get facetious sometimes, because with God, it's about a lot more than Christmas presents anyway, doesn't, isn't it? Because if you don't have more good works than you have bad works, it's not about Christmas presents. Because if you don't have more good works than bad works, you know where you go, right? You talk about something that can mess Christmas up for you, take all the, suck all the joy out of it, there is so much wrong with that, I don't even know where to start, you know? Nothing about that is right or good. Now, uh, I, I wanna, I'm going to be talking to you next Sunday anyway about how to be good. But as I got into my thoughts and I was thinking about that, you know, so be good for goodness sake because Santa Claus is watching you, a couple of questions came to my mind. And they're pretty brief, actually. So I want to talk to you about them, these two questions today, be good for goodness sake. And the first question is this, how good is good enough? You know, how good do I have to be anyway, you know, to get presents from Santa Claus? How good do I have to be so that God is happy with me? You know, if I want God to be happy with me and I want to go be with him instead of going to the other place, how good do you have to be? Well, I think the place to go for that is to Jesus himself and what he said while he was here on this earth. And so we're going to read a little bit of one of the incidents that Jesus experienced. But leading up to this incident, uh, Jesus had uh, one of these times when Jesus had all the children come to him. You know, children love Jesus. 
Old people, everybody loved Jesus. The only people didn't love Jesus was religious hypocrites. But children loved Jesus, and parents would bring children to Jesus for him to bless them. Hey, if he was around right now, you'd do the same thing, wouldn't you? So parents would bring children to Jesus, and he would bless them. And one of those occasions had just taken place. And, and as the kids were leaving, Jesus made this statement. He said, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter in. So he said these kids and, you know, his uh, uh, followers, some of his, uh, the men that were in his group didn't like it that he was taking up all of his time with kids. And he said, wait a minute, you don't become like one of these kids in your faith, like the faith of a child. You can't enter the kingdom of God. So that had what was going on. And from the crowd walked up this wealthy young guy, privileged, born with money, no doubt. So he's a, uh, he, he's a wealthy guy, and, and you know, people that have money kind of feel like they're better than anybody else is, and that's sort of the way he seems to have felt. And when he walked up, he said, he, he, re, he referred to Jesus as good teacher, good master, good teacher. Good teacher, what good thing do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What good thing do I need to do to live forever with you. What good thing do I have to do to, to go to the good place uh, at the end of this life? But what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and, and Jesus always answered the question that needed to be answered. And so Jesus said, why are you talking to me about good? Why are you calling me good? Because he said this in Mark 10, 18, no one is good except God alone. No person is good. Only God is good. So you have to be good enough to go to heaven, but how good do you have to be? How good is good enough? And in essence, Jesus said right there, only God is good enough for heaven. You're not. Nobody else on this planet is good enough. But Jesus continued talking to this guy. And he says to this guy, this is a Jewish guy. He said, you remember the commandments. Uh, you know, you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false witness or lie, you shall not defraud, you shall honor your parents. And the guy said, oh, I've done that since I was a kid. I've always done that, always taken care of it. And I'm sure Jesus thought, so you've, you've never told a lie? You know, you never said, I didn't break that vase. Uh, Johnny, why don't you ask Saul about that? Maybe he did it, but not, I didn't do that. You know, you never defrauded, you never did anything like that. But he didn't do that. The guy says, no, I've, I've kept all the commandments ever since I was a kid. So Jesus said to him, and you may know the story. He said, there's one more thing, one more thing you need to do. Go sell everything you have and give all the money to the poor and you'll store up treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And scripture says that his face fell. His whole expression changed because he had a lot of money. And if there was one thing that was more important to him than eternal life, it was his money and all of his stuff. And so he turned and he walked away from Jesus because there was something that was more important to him. And so verse 23 says that Jesus turned and he looked and said to his disciples, his followers, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
it's harder, it's hard for a rich guy to make it into the kingdom. And, and of course, I'm not going to read the, the verses about this, but the, the disciples say, if a rich guy can't make it, who can make it? You know, because their idea was the reason you get rich is because God blesses you, which is not true. But anyhow, a lot, a lot of bad people get rich, right? And so they said, who can make it? If a rich guy can't make it, we're all in trouble. Nobody can make it. And in verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. With man, being good enough to make it into heaven is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So in other words, here's the statement that Jesus was making that I want you to get. No one can do enough to be good enough on his own. No one can do enough to be good enough on his own, but God will make it possible. How good do you have to be to be good enough? No one can do enough to be good enough on his own. Only God can make it possible. A couple of other things. John the Apostle, you know, the Apostle of Love said this in 1 John 1, 8. He said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What is he saying? No one is good enough. No one is good enough. We all would put on a front like we're better than we really are, but no one is good enough. And if we say that I do all the commandments, I get it all right all the time, if we say that, we're deceiving ourselves and we're not being truthful. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, wrote this in Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous, not even one. Nobody would be good enough for God. Nobody gets it right all the time. Not even one. We are all born broken in a broken world. Some are more or less broken physically when they're born. Some are more or less broken financially. Some have more money. Some are born into money. Some aren't. Some are born with more privilege than others. But spiritually, God looks at each of us and he says this, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That makes it seem kind of impossible to be good enough, doesn't it? Makes it seem, how do you do that? How can you do it? I want to be able to, I want to be, able to be good enough for God and to be, have eternal life and to live with him forever. Sounds impossible. So, Second question is this, what's a person to do? What should I do to inherit eternal life? Well, if you want to get the simple answer, go to Jesus. He's got the simple answer. Here's the, the best known verse in all the Bible. We'll start with Jesus' words here, John 3, 16. He said, for God so love the world. That means that God loved the world so much. What's the world? Everybody who's ever existed. That's the world, not the planet. You know, yes, God created the planet. We need to take care of it, but we're not talking about the planet here. This word means the people. All the people who have ever lived, whoever will live, everybody of every culture, every race, everywhere on, on the planet. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that would be Jesus, 
Jesus is God who came to the earth so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So what do you have to do? Real simple. Believe in him. Whoever believes in him. The word believe is a verb. The word faith is a noun. Same word. Different words. You know, whoever has faith in him, whoever exercises faith in him, whoever believes in him shall not perish. And if I give you a, a, a paraphrase of the word perish, it means die and go to hell. Right? So whoever believes in him shall not die and go to hell, but instead shall have eternal life. And, and, and many of you know what my favorite verse in all the Bible is, the words of Jesus, John's gospel, recorded in John's gospel, chapter 5 and verse 24, where Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, he who hears my word and believes, there's that word again, and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Not, you'll get it, you know, we, we talk, I, I refer to that as wait till you die and open one eye, and do you see an angel or do you see fire? That, that's not the way it works, but from the time you believe, you and God together forever, that's what eternal life is, you and God together forever. So very truly I tell you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has from here on out eternal life, will not be judged, that is will never be adjudicated guilty at any time in the future of your sins, but he's crossed over from death to life. So Jesus is pretty plain. It's easy. What do you have to do? It's not the amount of rules that you keep. It's not how many good deeds you do versus how many bad deeds you do. Now, doing good is important. It's just not important to get in heaven. Not how many good deeds versus how many bad deeds, but it's believing in him, placing your faith and trust in him and that he died for your sins and he rose on the third day. Paul the Apostle wrote this. Sometimes Paul's writing is a little difficult to understand. I might talk to you about that a little bit more next Sunday, but in Romans chapter 3 and verse 22, and this kind of picks it up in the middle of a thought. Paul's sentences go a whole chapter, a whole page long sometimes. You know, it's hard not to pick it up in the middle of a thought, but he says this in Romans 3, 22, this righteousness this, what righteousness are we talking about? Well, Paul had just finished talking about how the keeping the law and doing good works doesn't make a person good enough for heaven, doesn't make him right with God. Just because he does good stuff, that doesn't mean make him right with God. But there is a righteousness that makes us right with God. So he says this righteousness, that's what we're talking about, this righteousness, the goodness, the goodness that makes us right with God is given to us through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe that. It is given through faith when we believe in him to everybody who believes. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. In other words, it's the same for everybody. It doesn't make any difference who you are. It's the same. Verse 23, and we had looked at this verse for, for all. Everybody's the same for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, the glory of God is perfect and we're not there. You know, we just fall a little bit short. It's like trying to touch the very peak of this ceiling in here. Some people in this building, maybe not in this room, but some people in this building aren't three feet tall yet. Some are over six feet tall. So some are closer to the top than others are, but nobody's anywhere near there, right? And you could exercise and jump for the rest of your life and you'd never be able to jump that high. Now, you know, maybe if you've got a trampoline or something of that nature, but just on your own, you could work as much as you wanted 
and you'd never be able to jump and touch that ceiling. And that's kind of the way God is. So for all have sinned and fall short. Jump at it and fall short. And here, but here's the good news, verse 24. And all are justified, that is declared righteous before God, made good enough before God. All are justified freely. It doesn't cost anything for you by his grace. Grace is what he gives us freely through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I said this gets a little wordy, but it really is good. The redemption, the price bought you back that came by Christ Jesus is talking about Jesus' death for your sins and his resurrection on the third day. So all are justified freely by the grace of God. Everyone is given the righteousness, the goodness to make it to heaven freely by the grace of God, and it comes through the death of Jesus on the cross for your sins and his resurrection on the third day. A little bit later, <clears throat> Paul, the apostle, talks about, well, I get that. What do I have to do to get that? Sounds pretty good to me. You know, I'd like to have that righteousness, that, that, that goodness, I, I, so that I, I'm good enough for God. How does that happen? Well, here's what Paul said. In his, this is a letter that he wrote to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We'll talk about that word saved in a little while, but we're talking about you'll have the gift of eternal life. So if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, hey, that's not, that doesn't seem too hard, right? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I think I might have sang that in a song somewhere along the line, right? Uh, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. But what does Jesus is Lord mean? It means Jesus is the boss of me. Jesus is the boss of me. And the word declares, the word confess, and that means I agree with God. Jesus is the boss of me. I can't, I can't do anything right by myself. Jesus is the boss of me. I have sinned against God, but Jesus is the boss of me, so I admit those things to God. So from my heart, from my heart I say, Jesus is the boss of me. To believe is to trust in Jesus, right? If, I, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and you believe in your heart, believe is to trust Jesus who rose from the dead. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you go to God and you say, Jesus is the boss of me. Verse 10, that was verse nine. Verse 10 says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified that you're made right with God. It's with your heart that you believe and are made right with God and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are Saved. Again, I say justified means that you're declared not guilty of your sins. You're good through Jesus, good enough for God through Jesus. The only way to get good enough for God. You can't get it any other way. Four, verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? I mean, you could be drowning, right? Somebody could save you. You could have all kinds of problems. You could be drowning in debt and somebody saved you, saved from what? Well, this means saved from your sins, saved from going to hell, 
saved to be in God's family, saved to serve God, saved to live eternally with him. So both Jesus and Paul are making this statement. Jesus and Paul both say that you can't do enough good things and keep enough rules to be good enough for God. You can't do it. It is impossible for you to do enough good things to be good enough for God and to have eternal life. The key, next statement, the key to being good is faith in Jesus. That's, that's where the goodness comes from. Not from anything I did, but because Jesus is good. The key to being good is faith in Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. That, that seems so easy, so simple. You believe that Jesus died for your sin and then rose from the dead on the third day. You ask God to forgive you and to take you into his family. Becoming a Christian, being saved, isn't a matter of turning over a new leaf. It's a matter of beginning a new life. It's not just that we think differently, though we do and we should. It's not just that we act differently, though we will and we should. It's that we are different when that happens. We are different. A change has taken place. Our souls, which were empty and lifeless, have been made alive through the power of Jesus Christ. You can't be good enough. Only Jesus was good enough believing in him is the only way to have that gift of, of eternal life that that young, rich young guy came and asked Jesus about. So, I just wanna ask you to consider one of two things. First of all, if you believe, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins and resurrected from the dead, will you consider praying to him and receiving him as your savior? Maybe you've already done that, terrific. But if you, if you haven't you know, made an overt act with God, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and rose again from the dead, will you pray to God and say, I believe, I believe. Please take me into your family. Jesus is the boss of my life. But that's one thing. If you believe that, Will you consider going to God and saying, I'm ready, it's time? Second thing is this, if you are not sure about this Jesus and resurrection thing, you've thought about it, you've heard about it, but you're not sure about this Jesus and resurrection thing, will you consider sticking around with us through Christmas as we get a little bit more into Welcome to Wonderland and a little bit more into what Christmas is about and the evidence that Jesus is God who came and who died for your sins. Now, one of those two things, would you think about them? Once you have believed in Jesus, once you have gone to him, Jesus is my boss, once you have received him as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, then you are saved from the power of sin. He said, how can I be good? We're gonna be talking about that next week. And we're gonna start with this verse, Romans 6, 14, which says, for sin shall no longer be your master. Uh, for some people, money is their master. That one, that, the guy that came to Jesus, you know, money was his master. For some people, drugs 
are their master. For some people, alcohol is their master. For some people, just dominating others uh, is their master. For, for some people, uh, taking the easy route is their master, you know. Uh, but sin, if you belong to God, sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. That's what we're going to talk about next week. But for today, you know, I gave you those two things. Would you consider one of those two things? If you've never gone to God through Jesus and repented of your sin to him and asked him to save you, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he rose from the dead, would you consider going to God and praying to him about that? I can't, not anything I can do for you. Would you consider doing that? And if you're not sure that that's true, uh, admit your doubt. I mean, you got doubts, you got doubts. If you're not sure that that's true, would you consider kind of hanging around here, praying about it, thinking about it, and listening to what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks? Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, as we come to the close of this service, we want to be good enough for you. And we know we can't be good enough on our own. Only in you, only in Jesus. For those here that not quite sure that's for real, would you work in their hearts and show them the truth, convince them from the inside out that Jesus died for their sins? Thank you in Jesus' name.